Good morning, Zion. Welcome to the fifth Sunday of Easter and our virtual service uh, this morning. Thank you to Jeanette and Doug. Thank you to Judy Hintz this week. She's playing uh, with Jeanette for our music, and you probably noticed the piano involved in the prelude. So uh, thank you. You'll also hear uh, their voices in uh, the responsive readings this morning and also. You're, we are fortunate that Jeanette and Judy will be singing uh, in our hymns, so listen closely as you sing along uh, a little later on in the service. But we want to begin as, as we always begin with 60 seconds of settling in, 60 seconds of silence. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, settle in, begin to feel uh, God's presence in your body and in your breath. Just breathe in and breathe out following the breath. Let God gaze upon you as we prepare for the service this morning. Let's begin.
Amen. Please join us in our call to worship. Come and know that God is good. We come seeking God's shelter. Come and know God's mercy. We come seeking wholeness and God's peace. Come and abide in God's steadfast love. Receive us as we are, as we come to worship you, O God. Let's pray together. Merciful God, our hearts are troubled. We long for a world free of hate and destruction. We yearn to know your presence in our daily lives as we awaken and sleep, as we play and work, as we eat and pray. In moments mundane and profound, receive us, shelter us, and nurture us as your beloved people. For your purposes and to your glory. Amen. Join me now in our prayer of confession. God of mercy, we confess that we do not trust you with our lives. We hurt others with our words and with our silence, with our deeds and our inaction. We block out your still speaking word with busyness and traditions. Forgive us. Open our hearts to know you and follow in your way today and all the days of our lives. Amen. Beloved of God, hear the good news. God forgives us. God calls us home to abide in the shelter and nurture of God's faithful love now and always. Praise be to God. Our hymn this week is one that I know that you will all remember, and if you don't, uh, that's okay. We have Judy and Jeanette are actually singing. You can hear them singing as they play along on the piano and the organ together. Uh, page 84, again, I feel foolish telling you that, knowing that not everyone has a, probably nobody has a hymnal at their house, but it's a song that, that you know well, this is the day uh, that the Lord has made. So uh, sing out.
Uh, it's, it's interesting this morning that, uh, you know, when Jill put the bulletin in or onto our website for us this week, there was some indecision about whether or not we were going to begin meeting in person again. The consistory hadn't met yet, and so we're getting a little fuller version of what the bulletin might look like if we were meeting together. And if you're looking over it, you're seeing, uh, you know, we're getting to the point in the service where we would be able to go and greet our neighbors and hug and shake hands. Uh, children's time followed, uh, which is always great for all of us. Uh, the 10th would have been the day uh, that we would have recognized our Sunday school uh, teachers and, and students, uh, the confirmation class, who the three of them comp completed their class. We've talked about uh, Emmy and Lucian and Nicole and how, how well they did uh, and how grateful we were that that people from the congregation were good enough to give of their time and answer questions for us. Um, it was a good, a good six weeks, uh, to say the least. Uh, also, uh, June, Lee, and Linda uh, were going to, uh, this would have been the Sunday that we were going to uh, welcome them into our church, and we still plan to do that, and we're still uh, so happy that they have made the decision uh, to join Zion. So uh, it's a little bittersweet looking at uh, the bulletin as it is on our website today. Uh, while we're still together and while we're still worshiping together, uh, we're, it's hard not to feel like we're missing out on some, on some things this Sunday. Uh, but it also gives us something uh, to look forward to as well. So well, now is the time in our, our virtual service where I'll reference the scripture that we are using today uh, for our sermon. And we continue to read about the early days of the church. And in the seventh chapter of Acts, we read of uh, the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr. Uh, I guess the church's first martyr. And then uh, we will transition to the Gospel of John, and we're kind of going back a little bit in time, but it's an important series of question and answers uh, between Jesus and his disciples in the, you know, the hours prior uh, to his crucifixion. So Acts 7, 55 through 60, that's, these are both New Testament scriptures. And then the Gospel of John, chapter 14, 1 through 14. So go ahead and pause now and I'll give you an opportunity to read those passages this morning. How many of you think about, consider the phrase, in my name? or in the name of the risen Christ, when we conclude prayers together, even when we do them by ourselves, I suspect a lot of us end employing those words, that phrase, in the name of the risen Christ, in Jesus' name. And this passage from John this morning, 
Jesus ends this question and answer session between himself and the apostles with this assertion that anything you ask in my name will be done. And I don't want to be flippant about this, but it crosses all of our minds, I suspect. Prayers like, please take this virus away from us. Please end this war. Please heal this person that I love. In Jesus' name. In your name. In the name of the risen Christ. Taken at face value. In verse, the you know, the last couple verses of, of the passage from John 14 today. Well, the prayer was done in Jesus' name. We said so. So why is the virus still here? Why does war still rage at a fever pitch, as the poet says? And why do the people that I love still suffer? So I went to a site that I visit from time to time can't imagine there's too many people that visit it, but it's known as the English Language and Usage Stack Exchange. I don't know what stack means. I mean, it's clearly a, a play, you know, on stock exchange, or I guess stacks in a library, who knows. But it's a self-described site for linguists, etymologists, those people that study language history, and serious English language enthusiasts. And so I went there this week seeking answers to the phrase, in my name, where's it come from? And there's a lot of people that have ideas about it, really bright people, uh, really, really well-educated people. And after reading uh, several of these entries and several of these discussions, and this shouldn't come as a surprise to any of us, but in my name, the way Jesus employs it clearly has to mean something more than we realize or that we can understand at face value. Like I said, big surprise. I'm going to revisit that phrase again toward the end of the sermon this morning, but I want to begin with our guy Stephen, known as the first Christian martyr, and we read the dramatic story this morning and get our first glimpse of Saul in the scriptures. But Stephen is killed. on the surface because of what he's saying. His words and the ideas that he is proclaiming with conviction 
are taken as blasphemous to those who hear it. And they go into a rage, cover their ears, we're told. In other words, they're not going to hear what he's saying because it angers them so. The thrust of what Stephen is telling whoever will listen there is that the traditions, the temples, the laws that we claim to hold dear, that we claim to hold sacred, have become calcified. And the living Holy Spirit recently overwhelming this young community and revealing all of this to be a shell of who human beings are really called to be, the community that they are called to be a part of, and the risen Christ, the one with whom they've all been recently acquainted, points to a new way of life, a new way of being, a way of humility, a way of sharing, a way of love, a way of community. And Stephen is telling these people that what you are doing, what we have all been doing up to this point, is serving ourselves, not God. To hear this and to even catch a hint of the implications of this sends a lot of people into rage. Stephen was pushing some buttons, to be sure. And I want us to think about why this could be the case, and not just why they flew into a rage and we don't, because we get it and they don't, but why we fly into rages, why things make us angry, why things make us uncomfortable. They said this, how dare they? They believe this, how wrong could they possibly be? How dare they say that about what I believe and how I live? I'm mad, I'm irritated, etc. And I, I can't remember how long ago this has been, but it was back when Tabitha was with us. Remember, she's, uh, she was stationed at Fort Riley, uh, staying with Jeanette and Doug, and she used to sit in the third row. I'm, I'm looking at the spot where she was sitting the day that I asked her if it was okay if I used her as an example uh, one day during a sermon. And it's a story that I took from uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, and I think he took it from somewhere else. Uh, but it's a it's an exercise in you know a mind activity to get at this notion of why things make us angry that people might say about us or because of us. And I remember asking Tabitha, Tabitha, what would you think of me? if I told you you were a green bush. And she looked at me like, like anyone would with a perplexed look and, you know, awkward laughter. But after a while, we, we came to the realization that 
what she would think of me is that I was that I was somehow out of my mind. What she would not think, what would not occur to Tabitha is something along the lines of, hey, maybe I am a green bush. Or how dare you call me a green bush, Eric, and, and, and fly into a rage because of it. And of course, the reason is because there is no possible way that there's any truth to this notion that she's a green bush. So why would she react with anger? Purposely pausing here for a while because I think you're making the connection between what Stephen was saying to these people within and around the temple about how they had allowed that which was to be sacred that which was to be a pointer toward the living God, these traditions, these temples, these laws, they'd become calcified. And we were no longer following the living God, but we were serving ourselves and using these things to bolster our own egos, our own standing, our own sense of power and righteousness rage <laughs> was the response because Stephen wasn't saying hey you guys are all a green bush there just may have been some truth in Stephen's words and it really really pushed some buttons and it cost him his life So these, kind of, these kinds of realizations, the kinds of transformation that Stephen and the community had been through and that we're still going through, the realization that Jesus is indeed alive and that the Holy Spirit indeed is animating them to be a part of that same body. That kind of realization was being shared and being shouted from the rooftop, even if it were only by the actions, as Jesus says, then know by what we do that there's truth. So these kinds of, of changes we don't often recognize in our lives. And I was driving up here it must have been last week, to the church, and on the marquee, Ruth had placed the words that church is who we are. It's not a place we go. It's an easy enough thing to, to understand, particularly in the, in the times that we're going through right now. Church is who we are. It's not a place we go. We're coming to that realization. And the reason that I say these kind of things don't come to us easily is uh, New Basel, where I, where I used to serve. There was a time, I don't, know, I don't know how many years ago it's been, um, but I don't know how many of you know this, but New Basel is nine or so miles south of Abilene. 
And then there's a UCC church called Grace that is in town. And at one point, when I was serving New Basil, and we were entertaining the idea, when I say we, I mean myself and uh, the consistory or council at, at Grace, they had asked if I could do services there as well. And it's inter interesting, I was naive enough to say, yeah, heck yeah, why, why couldn't we, you know? Uh, in fact, let's go two Sundays here, two Sundays there. Easy. Well, it wasn't as easy as that. And I got a lesson in, in perhaps why, and talking with someone that I respect and love very much to this day. And he was telling me that the sanctuary at New Basil was the place where he said goodbye to his grandfather. The sanctuary at New Basil was where his youngest son was memorialized. The sanctuary at New Basil was where he was married. He wasn't necessarily or particularly interested in going back and forth. I share that story not to say that anyone was right or wrong in that circumstance, but just to give us a sense of why these types of realizations come so hard and why we might defend our temple, our tradition, our laws, if someone would tell you, tell you, you're not this sanctuary. We, it's who we are. It's not this place. It's not as easy to just make that jump as we, as might first appear. So it matters. And these buttons that were pushed by Stephen and that are pushed by those who are transforming into a member of the body of Christ. Those buttons are real, and the danger is real. And the reactions are real, and they're not easily reconciled. The risen Christ is who we are. It's not a being to, to be knelt before, argued about. And hear me now, even worshiped. But he is a brother to do the work with, to accept the cost with of this life and these difficulties. These are the buttons that we push when we take seriously Jesus' call to follow him. So, to not take offense, to not be triggered, is to know beyond words 
our connection with the living God. Hear me. All of the things that are being said and not said, all of the positions that are being taken, this person's lying, that person's lying, uh, these people are putting us in danger, it's some sort of conspiracy, ad nauseum, all of those things. For me and for you, those who know our connection to the living God, know to whom we belong, those of us who know we're not a green bush, it's not a source of anxiety. It's not a source of rage. The connection announced and pointed to by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That is real. Is what we cling to. We're starting to approach this notion of what it means to ask in his name. His brother, his sister, to engage in work even greater than the work he did while he was dwelling among us, just as he said we would. You might be thinking, and I might be thinking myself, gosh, I'm not sure we should be talking like this. It sounds as if we are equating ourselves to Jesus. So just to be sure, let's get some concrete answers to some concrete questions. That's what we want. And this is the very nature of the discussion narrated to us in John's Gospel this morning. First Peter, then Thomas, then Philip, questioning over and over again this idea of Jesus. Okay, wait a minute. You're going first. You're preparing a way for us, but we already know the way. And once we get to this place, we will take our seat as your brother, doing the same exact work, maybe even greater work, drawing from the same source. You're saying we know the way, right? Peter is confused. Thomas is attempting some sort of literal understanding of Jesus' words. Listen to that sentence again. Thomas wants a literal understanding of Jesus' words, because he wants to be right, he wants to be sure. And Philip wants proof. All three of those positions ought to sound familiar to us this morning. In my name, though, that's what we're trying to figure out. One of, the, one of the discussions on this uh, discussion site, this uh, you know, website for English, English language enthusiasts, the one that resonated most to me uh, was the simplest. That shouldn't be a surprise to us either. Uh, but the simplest that said, you know, there are ancient traditions for this notion of in my name, and it's something as simple as two children. One saying, Mom, 
told me to tell you to do this, so you got to do it. Right? Mom would want this, so you need to do it. I am here in her name. If you're spending a lot of time with your kids during this stay-at-home process, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But the idea is I am drawing from the same source, this authority that we both know, mom. So I was thinking about a conversation that Sherry and I had with her mom when we were first married. We rented a house north of Wamigo. It was an old house and we were cleaning it up before we moved in. And Sherry's mom was working on the banister, this old staircase, and oiling it and getting it. Man, it looked great. But I don't remember whether Sherry asked her or I asked her something about, you know, the secret to a happy marriage, etc. Or, you know, advice, one of those kinds of questions. And she said, be nice to each other. That's all she she said, be nice to each other. And so, I mean, we, we, we've tried to do that. And early on, you know, if something would happen, you know, we could say to one another, hey, don't you remember Yvonne said we got to be nice to each other? And it was as if we were saying in her name, Remember? Well, Yvonne died uh, four or five years ago now. And it's interesting, the transformation has gone from having to have some sort of reference to her, whether we looked at her when she was in the room with us as if to remind ourselves to be nice to one another. Or we invoked her name when we were having a discussion or disagreement. But at some point there's a transformation. And we begin to draw not from Yvonne's authority, but from the same authority from which Yvonne drew. So now listen to this. It's pretty nuanced and it's pretty subtle. And give yourself some time to consider it. Now, when I am nice to Sherry, or when Sherry is nice to me. In a real sense, I am being Yvonne now. I'm not referencing her name as authority. I am being her in the world because somehow it became integrated in me. I'm not nice to Sherry because Yvonne told me so. I'm nice to Sherry because I know why Yvonne said that now. I get that source, so I am her when I am being nice. Listen to what that could mean for Jesus saying to his disciples, to saying, from Jesus saying to you and to me, ask anything 
in my name and it will be done. What I am suggesting to you and offering for all of us to contemplate as we pray this week, as we consider our call to answer, our call to be the risen Christ in the world, to believe, to be in his name, is to become his body. It's a kind of transformation like the one Ruth put up on our sign. It's who we are. It's not a building where we meet. To believe is to be in his name, to become his body, his eyes, his ears, his hands, his feet. You still might be thinking, gosh, I'm not sure we should be talking like this. I am. We know the way as well as Peter knew the way, as well as Thomas knew the way, as well as Philip knew the way. We can continue to ask questions ad nauseum, but we already know the way. We are learning to live in his name, to be in his name. The church is who we are. The body of the risen Christ is who we are. It is the only way. Amen. Okay, now is the time that uh, we'll share announcements with one another. Um, I, every time I come into the church, I see that people are still dropping off groceries. <laughs> Uh, in our card out there. Uh, it's really a testament uh, to this community. Um, makes me feel good, and it should make you feel good, too. I know that we all want to be doing something to help. Uh, it's, it's tough to not be confused about how we need to proceed and what we need to be doing or not doing. Um, so just looking at that cart uh, makes, should make us all uh, feel good. I think I, in fact, I know I sent a text out earlier uh, this week about our consistory meeting on Wednesday night, and we came to the conclusion and uh, that we need to continue to worship this way, and uh, just in the interest of, of everyone's health. Um, and I want to say it's the middle of June when we will make some sort of reassessment about when we can begin to be together again in person and I know that it's starting to wear on us um, and I know that you know, church is only one aspect of your life and my life where where we're having to make concessions and make adjustments um, but just know that, that our thinking and our prayerful discussion in consistory is about the preciousness of every life uh, in our community. And, and that's how we're making those decisions right now. And I, th I think that's how everyone's making those decisions right now. The confirmands I talked about um, Lucian, Nicole, 
and Emmy. Today would have been the day uh, that we honored them and gave them a Bible. And usually I give them a timer because I want them to be able to take their minute of silence whenever they need it. Um, but we will do that in good time. I'm kind of hemming and hawing here because I'm trying to delay talking about <laughs> Denise and Peyton and Lucian moving. Um, and I know that they were a part of Zion before I was ever a part of Zion. But man, we're going to miss them. Um, I know that those of you that have been on consistory and done the lock-in and run for God and all those things know what a vital part of our family uh, they are and how well that they've served this church. That's not to say that we're not so happy, uh, you know, for Denise. Uh, she got a job that she wanted and it shouldn't surprise any of us that someone would want to snap her up right away, but they snapped her up a little before we were ready to let her go. But, but we do congratulate you, Denise, and Peyton's going off to Belmont in Nashville, and she's going to do great, and they're lucky to have her. Uh, and Lucian is heading into uh, you know a, a new school at Blue Springs, and we'll keep him in our prayers, and that school community is lucky to get him. Uh, so it's likely that in the next, I want to say Denise told us on Wednesday night, the next three weeks they'll be moving. So keep them in our prayers. And if you think of a call, let them know how much we love them and, and wish them well. Um, other announcements. I th yeah, uh, June and Lee and Linda were also going to be, uh, we're going to join the church today. Um, and I know that it's a formality uh, because they are part of the community, but uh, I'm missing that today as well as I know you are too. I'm trying to look at my notes here and see if there's other notes, things that I'm forgetting. Um, oh, I misspoke last week and said we were going to have Bible study Wednesday, so of course I scheduled two meetings simultaneously, which is something I do from time to time, but uh, John's Bible study, I think uh, we're going to conclude unless we can twist his arm uh, because it's good. I, I, it's good to meet with one another, but uh, we'll, we'll hash that out this Wednesday night. When we get together at 7, I'll send out an invitation um, and we'll continue to uh, study the Psalms together under John's guidance. Uh, I think that is the end of the announcements. Um, as always, thank you to Jill. Uh, she keeps everything together um, and uh, continues to get our bulletins up and continues to get our services uh, to a Facebook page somewhere. Um, but I'm grateful for that. Thank you, Jill. Let's uh, transition into an attitude of prayer. And again, just settle in. Um, and be present as we begin to pray.
Creator God, thank you for this community, for the connection that we know between one another, the spirit that we draw from one another, the life that animates every one of us. We know it is because of Zion, and we are grateful for this community beyond what we can say. Thank you. We remember this morning in our prayers those that we know and love that are bent under the burden of grief this morning, lost jobs, lost circumstances, lost loved ones, all of it. We pray that they would know you in the midst of that grief and that we might be something, someone who could point to you in that grief. There are those in our community who continue to struggle health-wise in need of healing. We pray for J.D. and Jolene, for Dale, Shirley, for Tom and Vicki, Marielle. Thank you that Alex is feeling better. Thank you that Tim is healing. We continue to pray for Losa, for Evan Sutton. We pray for members of our community far away. We're thinking of and holding those in Texas and Colorado and Idaho and Australia. Lord, thank you for little Everly. Every time we look at her, we are overwhelmed with joy. There are names that I have forgotten this morning. There are difficulties that I don't know how to articulate. We put them at your feet and we trust you with all of our hearts. And we conclude praying together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you again for listening this week. Thank you again for being a part of this community. And I can't wait, and I hope you can either, till we are together again. Christ has no body now on earth but ours. No hands, no feet on earth but ours. Ours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Ours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Ours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Ours are the hands. Ours are the feet. Ours are the eyes. We are his body. Amen.